go. Thanks for listening to the LCR Media Podcast, where we get to know the pros. I'm your host, LCR. I'm here with Luke with LG Scott Landscaping and Tree Service. How's it going, Luke? Going good. So where are we? We're in Providence Forge. Yep. Providence Forge, Virginia. Um, We're technically in Charles City County, but most of Providence Forge is in New Kent County. So we're about 30 minutes east of Richmond and 30 minutes west of Williamsburg. And so, and so the interesting positioning of where you are here, like you were telling me off air, you can go either direction. So you kind of have like yep. a, a broad service area that goes from like yeah. kind of Richmond to, to Williamsburg and everything in between. Yep. So we, uh, we try to keep it maybe 40 minutes tops in uh, any direction where we are. There's not a whole lot north or south. Uh, it's typically an east-west thing right along the uh, 64 corridor. And we have a great market here close by, but um, that's kind of been a recent thing in the past maybe five years. For a long time, we had to go Williamsburg or Richmond to really get much, but this area has exploded, so we've had a lot of opportunity here. Awesome. So what what what, what brought you to this area specifically? Because you don't even live here, right? Yeah, I don't live here now. <laughs> you live closer um, to Richmond area, right? Yeah. What, uh, what brought me here originally was my parents when I was about 18 months old. Um, oh, so they're from this area. Well, they're not from this area. Oh, they, they lived in, in this, this area. area. Gotcha. Yep. They they met in this area. Mom was at William and Mary. Dad was in the Navy. Um, they had friends here, and they they wound up here. So then they decided this is where they wanted to raise their family. So, eighteen months old until now. Well, until about two years ago, I lived here. Left for the army. Left for college, but always came back here. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say you you seem a lot more comfortable on camera than on than on air on the podcast. You seem a little uncomfortable. I'm still getting used to the, the boom mic and everything like that. Usually when I got headphones yeah. and the boom mic on, I've got a gun in my hand oh, doing army stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's weird to just have a conversation I, like this. I hear you. I hear you. Oh, I definitely want to be respectful of that. Yeah. So why, why don't we dive into that before we go into well, it's probably part of your whole backstory, right? So how, how yeah, did you probably. Tell us a little about yourself and how you got to to where we are now with with your landscape company. Um, Well, I grew up here, and um, my I'm actually a fourth generation landscaper. Not uh, not ever the same company, but uh, same industry. Okay. And so my my dad did a lot of things as I was growing up, and um, ultimately during my teenage years, he wound up starting a landscaping company. And so I worked with him. I really enjoyed it. And I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian as a, uh, as a child. And then I went and did a tour of the vet school at Auburn and realized that there was a whole lot of schooling. Um, <laughs> and just because I loved animals didn't necessarily mean I would, you wanted to be school. a veterinarian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was, uh, was never a bad student, but I, I just never really enjoyed it. So, um, fell in love with landscaping, working with my dad. And, uh, then when I turned 17, I went into the army and then fast forward, I finally went to college at uh, 20 or 21, somewhere around there. I went to Christopher Newport University and uh, got a degree in biology with a horticulture concentration. Nice. And um, came back from there. Uh, Dad was still landscaping. And my older brother and I decided that uh, we wanted to do landscaping. We wanted to do it together, but um, there wasn't enough room for 
two sons and a dad in the size of his company. Yeah. So he was getting to the age where it was a good time for him to retire. So we uh, got with an attorney, put together a package where he could exit and we would take over the company. Um, so, you know, you can get anything done as long as somebody's willing to pay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so this yeah. was originally your dad's company then and you guys took yep. it over, you, your, your brother and yourself. And how many yep. years ago was that? That was 2008. Okay. Okay. Yep. All right. So it's 2020 now for just for re- for reference for people listening to the podcast in case they listen later on down the road. So yep. a decent amount of time, 12, 12 yeah. I'm not good so, at math, uh, but 12 years uh, ago. Yeah. Almost, uh, almost 12 years to the day. So October 15th was 12 years. Wow. And, um, so the, the buyout process will be finished in two years and, uh, that'll be great. I'll have this facility free and clear. And, um, so that's, that, that'll be a good thing. Yeah. And I, I saw when we were, so when we're, we're in this, this awesome setup that you have here, you know, office, like it, it's a house, it's literally a house. It's like your, it's your headquarters. You know, everyone's got their office. There's a kitchen, bathroom, the living room is your, your, your meeting space, you know, get everybody yep. ready to go. I can tell, I can see where this would really come in handy for, you know, when you're talking about snow and things, you know, when you, oh, know, yeah. you have all kinds of crazy hours and people are coming and going and they want a nice warm place to, you know, to just chill out or crash for a little while, catch them. You know, I've heard that those stories from people like, you know, hey, you know, just sleep on the couch or sleep here if they have like an office type space, you know, so this is, this is cool. It's literally a house. So people can, you know, there's a couch there, couch, sofa in your office or a futon in your office and, you know, kitchen, you know, have some food real quick, bathroom, obviously. So it's, it's, it's a really nice setup. But why I noticed when I was in your office, you had a a helmet, uh, there, like, uh, you know, like, uh, um, what what I I don't want to say arm I don't know what it yeah, is I don't want to army helmet army so helmet still, yeah I don't want to say uh, the wrong branch you know yeah. no it's not I'm, army's marine or, I'm sorry <laughs> no it's uh, the only branch that matters the army um, <laughs> see there we go yeah. <laughs> I gotta throw that yeah. in there but um, no so I'm still in the National Guard and uh, I'm 38 now so uh, just a week and a half ago two weeks ago was 21 years for me wow and, um, yep it's uh, it's great being being uh, self-employed. The National Guard has just given me a ton of opportunities. Yeah, from uh, you know the, the military paid for my education. I got a VA loan on my first house, um, and currently now the the biggest benefit, other than the fact that I still enjoy it, is the the healthcare and life insurance. Um, it's fantastic policies and dirt cheap. Wow! So that uh, that's incentive for me to continue to do it. Um, also. You know, I've reached the point where I'll have a retirement with it and uh, lifelong VA benefits and things like that. Yeah. Um, so my plan is to do 30 years. Um, we'll see if that happens, but that's my plan <laughs> at this point. Well, thank you for all of your years of service to this point, to the country. You know, thank I you very much. Um, so let's, let's, uh, did, did, has that, did that play any role into landscaping at all? Or was there some sort of balance that you uh, had to have? Oh, the balance has been, been really tough. So, um, we bought the company slash started the company in 2008. And at that time, um, I employed, uh, in addition to my brother and myself, two other members of the Virginia national guard. Oh, okay. Um, and 2011, uh, my brother and the two others all deployed. So I went from, um, oh, having man. three people yeah. that I relied to on. Solo. To, yeah. How come and you weren't deployed, but they were just, just different, different units. Different units. Yeah, gotcha. different missions. And, um, so, so it they, could be totally chance. You could all be deployed to different at the yep. same time or not. 
Exactly. Gotcha. If we're in the same unit, then the unit's going to go. Right. You're, but but no, you're not we were in the same all, unit. We were all in different well, units. Well, I guess that's, I guess, because if you were all in the same unit and you're all deployed, then what? <laughs> well, you have to email we're, we're going to get to that. Oh. There's, there's a story with that also. Um, so uh, that was 2000, late 2010 to late 2011. Um, you know, I lost three employees. And so that was, that was the struggle. Um, but we made it happen. And then fast forward to how, 20, how did you make, you can't just graze just, over that. <laughs> how did um, you make that happen? Yeah, people I hired like, people. What? Yeah. Hired oh. people. And were they uh, just like temporary or like, cause yeah, you had they, no idea I, really I how long. I ended up getting some, some decent hires out of it. Uh, one guy I had already just hired. Um, you know, you get some, some heads up on this. It wasn't like they came in one day and said, Hey, we're leaving tomorrow. Right. Um, so we had some time to prepare. And, uh, so I hired, uh, two, two really good guys that actually stayed with me for quite a while after that. And, um, so dealt with that after they finished their deployment. Um, my brother obviously came back. Uh, one of the other guys came back for just a brief period. Um, he ended up moving out of state after that, but, um, so made it through that hurdle. You know, there's, there's time commitments here and there typically, uh, unless it's a deployment, it's not more than about two weeks to maybe six weeks at a time, depending on what's going on in your career. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, one weekend a month, sometimes that weekend is more like five days, but typically <laughs> it's, you know, right. two or three days. Right. And so it's just a, a time management thing, uh, by us working, uh, typically four tens. It doesn't affect my crews too much when I'm, I'm doing my weekend drills because Fridays they're off anyway. Right. Um, but then uh, we moved to 2016, and uh, it was my brother and I that were still in the National Guard running the company, and uh, we both were going on the same deployment. Um, <laughs> two, so, two separate units, but going two separate but deployed units. for the same thing. Yep, two separate units yeah. going to two separate con- oh, uh, countries. Oh, so two separate but, things, but just had yeah. to be at the same time. Separate missions, wow. same time. And um, so there, actually, uh, Landscape Management did an article about um, that. Is that the article thing. that's on the wall there yep. in there? Yeah, I yep. saw a glimpse of that. And, uh, so we, we had a general manager in place at the time and we kind of fast tracked him to make sure that he was up to the task. Um, so he and my mother, um, in hindsight, it was mostly my mother. He didn't turn out to, uh, um, keep up the same standards that he had done. And I mean, all the signs were there. We thought he was going to be a great fit and everything was going to work well. Um, we left and, and he did not do a great job. Fortunately, my mother, um, still was running the office at the time. Yeah. So she, she kind of kept the, the wheels on stuff. Yeah. yeah. Going. So and, he said uh, it fall apart. So we, we, we lost a bunch of money. We didn't really lose customers. Just a bunch of money. It was an expensive year. Did, did, um, did when you, when you, that happened or when that happens in general, like if either of you were deployed, the different examples that do you like kind of. Do you let your clients in on, on that at all, oh, or absolutely. is it just kind of like, hey, let's yep. just pretend so this isn't existing, happening? So existing clients, especially ones that we had a long-term relationship with, we uh, we let them know, hey, you know, here's here's what's going on, here's the plans we have in place, because being you know relatively small business, the the people still know us. It's not just a, a person on the end of a phone, right? Um, I was doing all the sales, my brother was doing all the operations, so um, even customers that maybe we'd only met face to face a couple times, they still knew us right and uh they were all really supportive and a lot of them once we returned uh flat out told me hey if we didn't one respect what you're doing and two like you guys as people you know there were some things that went on while you were gone that we weren't real happy with oh and so there they, was, they helped clue you in on some of that stuff oh yeah too yeah there were some relationships that needed mending and um 
you know, but we didn't lose, to my knowledge, um, a single contract customer during that period of time. Um, you know, in the one-off jobs, as long as you do the one job, maybe they don't call you again, but you don't really ever know. Right. Um, but, uh, so it was kind of a, a rebuilding year once we came back because they're just, the, the margins were not good while we were gone. Yeah. But, um, we tried to, you know, stay in touch as much as we could while we were gone and, uh, you know, call and email and things like that. But it was, it was a difficult year. Yeah. It, it sounds like it, but it's, it's also sounds like the personal relationships that you had with a lot of those clients helped in a lot of ways, right? Oh, There's you know, some grace given there and, and also yep. communication, you know, I mean, you communicated with them ahead of time, which is good. And then th- they communicated with you after the fact that, Hey, just, it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when the, when the, uh, the cat's away, the mouse will play that yep. type of expression exactly. or whatever, you know, the boss is out, you know, and things that get, don't necessarily happen the way they're supposed to. And the customers are, are the ones that are always like, Hey, just to let you know, sometimes yep. some employees will tell you too, like, Hey, you know, so-and-so just really wasn't doing a whole lot, you know? Yeah. And it was a great learning experience. You know, as a result of that, we, uh, as soon as I got back, I put GPS in all the trucks, um, which, had, you know, it was one of those things before I was like, oh, that's what big companies do. I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I always say, think big, stay small. Like yes, you don't have like to that. be big to, to think big, think big, but you know, fit in your, in, in, in your, your lane, your sweet spot. So think big, yep. stay small. Yep. And, uh, you know, now looking back, I'm like, well, I, why did I ever exist for more than one day without GPS in the trucks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you're listening to this, get GPS in your trucks. Yeah, it's worth this it. is the second time that you know. So la- uh, my last night I record a podcast too, and they said the same thing. They went to Verizon. You know, they had so much stuff with Verizon. They give phones to their guys and all this kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And and they all Verizon has some sort of thing that you can yep. put in. Is that what you have, or you just no, know? About I use that? a company called uh, InTouch. They uh, it uh, round numbers. It's roughly twenty five ish dollars per truck per month. And, um, it was a, a better deal than what Verizon had. Gotcha. And, uh, so that was the first one I went with and I've, I've stuck with them. It's a super simple thing. Um, they just go into the, the OBD2 port on your truck. And so, you know, as we've sold a truck, bought a truck, whatever, we can just add one of these things or move from one truck to the mm-hmm. next. And it's got a great dashboard where I can, I can, uh, score my drivers as far as their braking habits, their acceleration habits, right. all kinds of stuff. And that, that goes into some of their evaluations. Right. Um, I get a text message whenever one of them makes a infraction. And so then I forward that to my secretary that goes into their kind of rating yeah, system file so, or whatever. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've got blacked out areas. So we talked earlier about, um, they're not, uh, supposed to be going to convenience stores and things like that. Right. So, the popular store right down the road from here that they have to pass every day. That's we put a, a geofence around that. Uh-huh, so I'll know nice. if they go in there. Yeah. Um, I've got a geofence around all their own homes. So if they wanted to, you know, pop home yeah. and see the wife or something right, like that right. in the work day, I, I know that. Yeah. So we haven't had any issues with that stuff, but it's, it's peace of mind and well, it's great. And it's all, I think more preventative. I mean, when they all know it's there, it's, it, it's preventative. Like it's not yep. necessarily to just catch everyone. It's to kind of help keep them, you know, just like when someone knows there's cameras somewhere, like whether it be in a store or whatever, they see a security guard, you know, they, they just are more apt to like not do things that yep. they're not supposed that they shouldn't be doing. So, and it gives Emily, my uh, office manager, 
a lot more of a um, situational awareness of what's going on. You know, if a client calls and is like, hey, the guy's usually here by 11 o'clock today. It's, you know, it's 1230. What's the status? She can in real time look and say, oh, well, they're five minutes away. Right. Yeah. Um, and I was going to so. say that too. Also, in, in addition to monitoring safety and, and, and proper work habits and all that of your employees, you know, some people are like, some people listening to this might think, man, it's like, you're like stalking your employees. You're like, what in the world? You're their parents, or so you didn't give them Life 360 on their phones too, right, like all this stuff. Right. But, but you know, and above and beyond just monitoring that for from a, a business standpoint, which I, I think is is 100 percent necessary. But it also helps kind of cover you when, like, say a customer like says, "Hey, you weren't here, or what happened? You didn't do that, yep. you know." And you're like, "No, no, we were," and you can pull all this information up and see exactly when whoever was there, you know, crew one or truck three or whatever, they, they were there this time and this time I can, you know, we, we have it all documented here because of just using that GPS thing. I mean, like depending on what software you use, what CRM software, there's a lot of functionality in there too. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they start a job, stop a job, you know, so at least, you know, okay, who was punched in for that job. But I mean, in the off chance that they just, you know, completely forgot what they were doing, you know, with, with their job and forgot doing to do all of that. And they just got out the truck and got to work and then left. At least you have the, 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 you know, GPS tracker. We use that a lot. Um, you know, Emily does a justification, kind of on their clock in and clock out on their tablets with service autopilot versus the truck. Um, just kind of a, a random audit or sometimes the guys will call her and say, Hey, we, we forgot to do, you know, clock in or clock out or something mm-hmm. like that. So she can, she can check that because especially on the maintenance crews that, you know, it comes down to the minute it, it, it's important as far as how long they were at a spot. And, um, then, you know, we can check with them and say, okay, did you get there and take a smoke break? Did you get there and eat lunch in your truck before you started? Like, you know, what do these times mean? And um, then with snow, it's important, especially on commercial sites, depending on what kind of account it is. Um, I'm the worst at clocking in and clocking out of jobs because I've got a million things with my mind. Yeah. And the, the biggest one is generally get something done that produces revenue. Right, right, <laughs> right. right. Uh, so I'm constantly having to tell Emily to check my truck. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's handy. Yeah. So how many guys do you have working for you right now? So um, we we had five until 1st of October. And then we went down to four because my other brother was working for me and he deployed. So <laughs> got that going on now. Gotcha. Um, uh, if I wasn't in the National Guard, I would probably dislike it a lot uh, <laughs> just because of what it's done to my employees. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, we just uh, a week or so ago, we had a guy uh, quit and move to a, a warehouse job. So we're hiring right now, but I'm, uh, I'm kind of, it's got to be the right person. I don't want to carry dead weight through the wintertime. Right. Yeah, for sure. It's one of those tricky things. Like you can probably find good guys, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's easier, I think, to find a diamond in the rough, like in the winter when like most people are kind of dialing back their hours and or just letting people go. But it's also some somewhat risky because you're like, if I don't have enough work or, you know, I'm I'm going to go over on payroll and it's. There's a lot of different philosophies about, about that. What, what What is normally your winter plan and how do you keep um, employees? Well, I'll touch on the employee thing first is I generally don't ever hire seasonal help. Um, it just hasn't been a great fit for me because... What do you mean seasonal help? Like So just um, somebody that comes on in springtime uh, knowing that they're not going to be around past fall. Gotcha. Um, because I think it's a bad foot to start the relationship off on. Um, you're not giving them the opportunity to prove themselves if you're just telling them right off the bat, hey, this is a, a temporary thing because I need help. 
they don't have any personal investment in it because they're like, hey, I'm going to be unemployed come Thanksgiving. I need to constantly be looking for something else. Um, they just feel like a piece of meat, and it's just it's not right. Um, it's not right for me. Right. So, uh, whenever I hire people, they're they're going to be either part time or as needed or full time. And so coming into winter, um, our strategy is basically I have to book enough work to keep them through the winter time. Um, so I don't make our guarantees, but I also know that if anybody drops much below 30 hours a week, regardless of weather, regardless of economy or my workload or anything, they're going to be looking somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And they should be because they've got obligations. They've got families to look out for. Um, so I typically don't just give hours to people. I'll have them come in and, you know, scrape paint off the shop or do something right if, if, if um, it's that to that point where yeah. you're like man typically we just it's don't just a typically it's just a weather thing yeah and i will i do make them use their pto uh if we have if we have a snow event then they get a whole bunch of hours right at the beginning and then we have 10 days where we don't do anything right yeah um, recover and all yeah. this stuff and hope and that it doesn't you know, the snow it's got to melt yeah. it's got whatever right and so they um they need to use their PTO during that time, which most of them are pretty decent about saving it and not just using it willy-nilly all year. Um, so they use that, but they also know that I'm not going to let them starve. So I don't have a firm policy on that because uh, that makes them basically feel like a salaried employee. Mm -hmm. But I am looking downrange to say, okay, is this person somebody that I'm willing to more or less give hours to? Um, because they're that good and I want them in the spring or is this some way that's just not that great? Well, then I need to prior to us getting into the bad weather and me stringing them along for half the winter and then firing them. Yeah. I need to go ahead and lay them off early enough right. for them to get something else. Gotcha. So, um, our winters are usually mild enough that other than weather, we continue to work. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, right now we've got work through February. So as long as the weather cooperates, I'm not worried about it. Right. Um, you know, the maintenance guys, they, once they're done with leaves, then, uh, they'll usually roll in with the construction crew for a little bit. Then they go to pruning then they go to mulching and then they're right back to mowing. Um, so we, our snow, because we're in this part of Virginia, as you know, sometimes <laughs> yeah. it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Right. Um, and we don't do a lot of sidewalks, so it's not a lot of, and I don't want to put my guys out there clearing sidewalks. It's miserable. They don't like it. Right. Um, the revenue is not great. You might bill out $45 a man hour if you're lucky. Just not really my thing. Right. And um, I'm also... <coughs> as far as the snow accounts that I take on, I don't take on stuff that I can't fulfill my obligations on. There's In this area, there's so many companies that they'll take on, just for round numbers, let's say, 50 properties. Mm -hmm. They've only got the manpower to handle maybe 15 if we get a 12-inch event. Um, but if we've got a 2-inch event, then they're they're well covered because they can bounce around and get them all done. Right. Um, we had that happen, I think it was two years ago. We had, um, first week of December, we had 14 inches. Might have been three years ago. And uh, we picked up some accounts because there was companies that just couldn't handle it because they weren't banking on having a 14-inch snow event. <laughs> right. Um, so... We always, my policy is always have at least one piece of equipment, either a piece of equipment or a, a truck plow in reserve at all times. It's not obligated to anything. It's there in case something breaks down. Mm -hmm. um, and make sure that if we get the snowmageddon or something like that, we can still have properties open on time. So the downside of that is if we get a two or three inch event, 
It's not a zillion hours hours for the guys. But if I've told somebody you're going to be open by 8 a.m., you know, and there's parameters. Obviously, if it starts snowing at 7 a.m., then you're not going to be open at 8. Right. But whatever it is that we've set up with them, we're going to be able to do it. And so um, that's how I handle snow. What did you, so what did you do last year when, when it really <laughs> – we just didn't have any snow? Well, I don't put snow in my budget. <laughs> gotcha. So any any – of the, uh, you know, we've got the green budget. A lot of places have their green budget and their white budget. Um, I don't have a white budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you it's really snowing, can't have that around here, I no, guess. No, you yeah. can't. If it's snowing, it's we're not doing anything green. Yeah. Um, and if it doesn't snow, then we need to work off the green budget. Yeah. So it, uh, th- that's pretty much how I look at it. Yeah. It's, uh, the only part that I really dislike about, well, I dislike everything about the snow. Um, <laughs> the, the worst part is, buying ice melt and having it for four years because oh, it's, yeah. it's expensive. Yeah. Um, but if you get a big snow event and you don't have it and you've told your clients, you're going to put down ice melt yeah. then you're, you're being dishonest. Right. Um, and you know, there's, I've heard all the stories guys tell their clients, Oh, there's ice melt shortage and this, that, and the other. Well, in my opinion is when you sign that contract with somebody in July and told them you're going to have ice melt, you should have bought the ice melt in July. Right. Yeah. Just because you can't get it the day of the event. That's not your client's fault. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in a perfect world one day I would like to do zero snow. I don't see that ever happening as long as I do commercial maintenance Mm -hmm. because people want to deal with one vendor. Yeah. Um, so we do, just enough snow for me. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. We could do more, but I don't want to. Yeah. So what, 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 um, what other things other than snow do you try to book out for this time of year? Like hardscape? I mean, yeah, not, not necessarily this time, but you know, over the winter time. Yep. Hardscapes, planting. Um, basically if there's not snow on the ground and the ground's not frozen, nothing changes for us as far as installations. Um, the, uh, the hardscapes are fine. Sodding is fine. Grading, drainage, all that stuff. And so then the maintenance guys, if they're not doing, uh, leaves pruning or mulching, then they just roll in with the construction crew. Mm-hmm. It gives them good experience. Sometimes you find somebody that finds a new niche, something else they prefer besides cutting grass. Um, and it just helps make them a more well-rounded landscaper. And it gives me extra help on those projects because we get kind of windows of weather where it's like, okay, we've got three days where we've got to get stuff done because then the weather is going to be terrible for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And so I have that manpower that I can flex over to those projects and really try to knock them out. Gotcha. And, uh, what, so when someone asks what services do you offer, like what, what, what are all of your services for your company? Uh, so what, um, on the arboriculture side, we do, um, all aspects of arboriculture. So, uh, large tree pruning, removal, stump grinding, um, as well, plant healthcare also. So injections, deep root fertilization, spraying, uh, for trees and shrubs. And then in the, uh, in the landscaping realm, we do. Um, hardscaping, grading, drainage, um, irrigation, sodding, and then on the maintenance side, it's the the usual maintenance stuff: pruning, mm-hmm. mulching, leaves, mowing, mowing, fertilizing, yes, mowing. <laughs> yep. So uh, we do a full um, turf care uh, program. We've got a seven round program as well as a ten round program. Mm-hmm. Pretty much all liquid, uh, of course, except lime. That's granular, but mostly it's it's all liquid because you can. <laughs> do a lot more lawns and a lot less time for a lot cheaper. Yeah. And it's, I think it's a better product. You can get a great product with a backpack sprayer and a push spreader, but, um, being able to put it all in one tank makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. 
And so, so you basically are like a you literally are a one stop shop for anyone, right? Anyone that's looking for everything, because it it seems like most companies, anyway, that I've whether it be social media or here locally, there's just some people that, uh, or most people, there's just something that they don't do, like oh, I don't do irrigation or I don't do fertilizing or or whatever. You know, there's just like that one thing. I don't do trees. That's a big thing. You know, a lot Mm -hmm. because that's a whole another whole another animal right there. You know, whole another level of certifications and insurance and all this stuff. So, I mean, that's definitely a big one that people, you either do trees or you don't, you know? So, but, so where, I mean, what came first for you? Like, how did you get into all of these things? Well, uh, growing up working with my dad, it was primarily um, tree work and grading and drainage, sod and planting. So no irrigation. And we also do landscape lighting, no irrigation, no landscape (laughs) lighting, very little turf care, um, no mowing whatsoever. Uh, and so my, my first interest into the, the green industry was the tree side of things. Um, I became a certified arborist when I was 18 years old. I started climbing trees when I was, well, without a chainsaw when I was 12, with a chainsaw <laughs> when I was 13. Wow. Yes. Not much um, difference there. <laughs> no. Um, and, uh, I was really good at it. And, uh, so I really enjoyed that as I got older I guess my creative side started coming out some more and I started looking at the tree stuff. I'm like, man, it's more of an athletic event than what you get when you design and install a hardscape mm-hmm. um, or, you know, even a planting or anything like that. And so I sort of lost interest in the tree side. I, I shouldn't say that because it's a service that we offer, but I, I just wasn't passionate about it. Like I was about the, the design and install mm-hmm. stuff and, also getting into some design courses in college that really kind of piqued my interest in that aspect of things. Um, and I kept running into the same situation that you just mentioned is um, people, I would be doing this big install for them and they're like, well, how am I going to get water to it? Like, well, I don't <laughs> right. know, get the phone book and find an irrigation guy. Yeah. <laughs> and so then they're like, oh, well, can you sub one? And so we... Uh, so by necessity, we, it seems like. By necessity. And it's so much easier to control the whole project if you can do every part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be good and that can be bad. There's a lot of huge general contractors that control just fine mm-hmm. with a bunch of subs. But for me, it just worked better being able to do it all in-house. And I had an interest in all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't pursue irrigation maintenance. We do it um, for our standing customers. But if if some random person just calls and says, Hey, I need you to come to, you know, repair my irrigation. They're probably not going to get us. Um, so typically we're doing installs and then servicing systems that we install as far as the irrigation goes. Gotcha. Um, landscape lighting. I love landscape lighting. We try to make that a part of every hardscape package mm-hmm. because it's an easy add on and it, it adds tremendous value to the project. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just kind of expanded because of necessity and, um, people generally ask you to do things when you're out there. If you're mowing the grass, yeah. they're like, well, the grass yeah. looks terrible. How can you make me have more grass? I'm like, oh, well, right. let's, let's design a 10 round turf program. And people are like, oh, that's too expensive. I just, you know, want to have something to mow. <laughs> like, all right, well, we've got a seven round also. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah. you know, I probably shouldn't offer maybe as many things as I do, but I just, love all of it so much and have an interest in it yeah hey i mean there's nothing wrong with that it makes it hard to staff because you know all of my employees to really be productive out there need to know everything that's in my head yeah and uh i've been doing this my whole life and i love it yeah um so there's times that i kick myself in the butt i'm like man 
why why am I out here servicing an irrigation system? And my guys can do a lot of it, but we had one this week that I think the system was possessed. <laughs> um, it was, I mean, I, I was scratching my head. We got it right, but it's just a lot of weird problems yeah. that I couldn't just send a guy out right. on. Right, you had to really troubleshoot a lot of stuff there, yeah. yeah. And I, th- I think that's going to happen w- with a lot of things, but but yeah, I can you know if 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 it's something that you enjoy, you know what, what go for it. I mean, there's a lot of people that do that, you know, that have yep. a whole lot in the one stop shop. And especially if you get into any kind of commercial stuff, they they kind of want a one stop shop. You can mm-hmm. sub all that kind of stuff out too, and just have like one bill and all that too. Like there's different ways, but like you said, you know, there comes a point where like you know someone I talked to recently, it's like, well, you know, I sub out all the fertilization stuff because I just have no interest in that right now. But I mean, if it gets to the point where I'm subbing out a hundred different accounts, like maybe I right. should take that, you know, in house yep. and you know get certified or get somebody certified or whatever, hire a tech guy that's already certified, whatever, so that I'm getting that money now and get, getting that profit margin instead of just yep. constantly giving it. You know, it, there comes a point where it's like. Why waste my time for ten? But for a hundred, maybe that's now we're like now it's like a whole another separate division of my company that I'm missing out on. So yep. yeah, I think you constantly have to weigh those things out as you grow, you know, your company. Um, yeah. But this, yeah. So you have an awesome, awesome setup, awesome shop. You gave me a shop tour, guys. If you want to see, you know, visually what what I'm talking about and and the whole setup here and all the equipment and just talking about the whole thing. Uh, definitely go ahead and, and check out the, the YouTube video um, that I'm going to be having for this on my channel at LCR. Um, but what, where do you see yourself going from here as far as company-wise? Like, what are your future goals? That's, that's, a, uh, that's a good question. Um, so I kind of have two courses of, of potential action. Um, the, the maintenance side is the easiest side to scale. So that's that's where I'm kind of focusing my efforts for scaling is the maintenance side, um, and really more on the residential than the commercial side. Um, the commercial sites that we do, I'm very happy with. They're kind of medium sized. What I don't want to do is um, uh, like maintenance free HOAs because nobody keeps them longer than two years. You keep them for the duration of that first contract and you'll never get it again. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's not something I want to get into because you've got one person paying the bill and 400 people complaining. That's not something I'm interested in, but, uh, we've had great success on the residential side. We've been able to keep really good numbers on residential maintenance. You get a relationship with somebody. Um, my employees generally are happy and stay around. And so they get a relationship with the customer. The customer knows their name. They know, you know, what time they're coming, things like that. So that's, that's the easiest place to scale. And it's also, um, the cheapest as far as equipment requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you can spend a ton of money putting together a maintenance crew, but you can also get a maintenance crew out the door and running for, you know, 15 grand. And so that's what I want to scale. And then also move, uh, get a second location in the Richmond area because we have a really hard time staffing out here because we are 30 minutes from any major, population centers yeah so um and in this area all of the eligible employees have either already worked for me and been terminated <laughs> or, or they work for somebody I've, else and you yeah, know, they whatever. work for somebody else or i've, yeah. I've interviewed them at least yeah. and did not hire them right um so bigger pools and you know the yeah, other areas bigger yeah. pools and i you know i don't blame somebody for saying hey that looks like a great company but uh, i don't want to drive 30 minutes to get there um so and i can't pay them enough to get them to drive out here if they're not, you know, I can't pay them $18 an hour 
for a $14 an hour guy just to get them to make the drive. The numbers don't work. Right. Um, so running another maintenance crew out of the Richmond market would be the next step or several crews if, if we can get the, the property that I want to get up there. Yeah. So how many crews in total again do you have? I know you said employees, but you know, how's that break uh, so down? We're, we run, we run three crews. Um, so we have a tree crew. That's a whole different story. My tree <laughs> crew is, is a bunch of older guys and they, uh, they're kind of part time, mm-hmm. um, but they're great. Yeah. And so that's, that's their own crew. Then we have a maintenance crew. Then we have the construction crew, which construction crew does enhancements. Some maintenance crew does enhancements. Some construction crew generally though is the hardscape irrigation, grading and draining. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, three crews. Sweet. Well, thank you for taking time out of your day on a Friday, end of the week. You're probably a little tired or you at least want to get started on, on your weekend. I appreciate you letting me come down here and, and check out your setup and, and getting on the podcast. And uh, uh, it's been a great time. So thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you coming out here and uh, hopefully we'll do it again sometime. Absolutely. Mr. Producer here, and if you're enjoying Naylor's podcast, I recommend you head on over to his YouTube channel at LCR and see what else he's doing for the community and become a part of the LCR Media Network. Just click join next to the subscribe button and you'll have instant access to exclusive training videos, a private Facebook group to network with other members, and live streams with Naylor. You'll get access to every YouTube video before anybody else does, and you can even schedule Zoom one-on-one video calls with the Lawn Care Rookie and talk about anything you may need help with in your business, like best types of equipment, going part-time to full-time, how to get the best route density, finding your ideal clients, finding employees, or just anything else you need help with. Again, all of this exclusive access is for LCR Media Network members only. Just click join next to the subscribe button on the LCR YouTube channel and be a rookie for life. This has been an LCR Media and Mr. Producer production.